Well, good morning, everyone. Um, for those of you that I might not have met, my name is Peter Samine. People here call me Rev. Um, almost exactly two years ago, I preached my last sermon here as a full-time pastor. Um, so I've been retired for two years, and they uh, opened the closet, dusted me off, and threw me out here again today. So I'm grateful to be here. Uh, Becky and I have been worshiping here um, regularly. This is our home church. We love Elmer's Christian Home Church. We're grateful to be a part of this community. Uh, we were here last week when Jeff was installed as a full-time pastor. We all celebrated that finally we have two full-time pastors. Greg is here and Jeff is here. And my only question is, so where are they today? <laughs> The reason they're not here today is this is the last time we have two services, and they were just too tired from that installation to lead, so they thought they'd see if I could still do this. The truth of the matter is that both Greg and um, Jeff had children graduating from college this weekend out of state. They were there celebrating. I think that's great for us, for our pastors to model family first, to be there for those important events for your kids, and so I'm glad that they're there, and I'm humbled and honored that... They went down a long roster of people and finally got to me um, to ask me to be here this Sunday. Today I want to talk about stories. Um, we're in this series of, of sermons called Signs of Life. It's kind of based around this book that we've read together called The Nine Arts of Spiritual Conversation. Today the topic is Art of Sharing, and I want to talk about, about stories. And stories are powerful. We love stories. You learn to love stories as a little kid, right? Your parents... One of the first memories maybe you have is of your parents reading you bedtime stories, and maybe you can remember exactly what that story was. I remember reading my kids' bedtime stories, and our kids wanted the same story over and over and over again. It was like, seriously, can't we get a better story, another story? But they never wanted to read Tolstoy at night or anything like that, so we'd read other things. Um, but stories are powerful. We remember stories. I mean, like the story of Beauty and the Beast. I love this story, Right? You know, it's like, don't ever ju just judge a book by its cover. Maybe you should get to know somebody. Maybe something's behind there that you don't already know. But more powerfully, um, how um, acceptance and affirmation and love can transform somebody into someone new that maybe even they didn't know was deep inside of them. The contemporary hymn that we sing regularly here in Christ Alone is the story of Jesus Christ from beginning to end, the celebration of his resurrection and that's a story. Stories come in lots of different ways. They, they can come by being read out of a book. They can come through music. They can come through theater. They can come through movies. Stories are powerful. They change lives. And we love stories. The Bible is full of stories from the beginning to the end with awesome characters, right? Adam and Eve begin the whole storytelling in the Bible. There's a fascinating story about the journey of the life of Joseph. There's an amazing story about uh, the life of David. You meet all sorts of characters like Esther, who's a Jewish girl who becomes the, the queen of Persia of all things. It's, a, it's unbelievable. That should never happen. There's Deborah who becomes a judge. There's Mary Magdalene who's certifiably nuts, who's transformed by Jesus and becomes his primary disciple, pushing him in his discipleship. There's amazing characters in the Bible. One of our traditions at Christmas time here is to present Andrew Peterson's Behold the Lamb of God. And that musical always begins with a narration that comes from the Jesus Storybook Bible that talks about the power of stories and the power of the Bible. 
The Bible isn't a book of rules or a book of heroes. The Bible is most of all a story. It's an adventure story about a young hero who comes from a far country to win back his lost treasure. It's a love story about a brave prince who leaves his palace, his throne, everything to rescue the one he loves. It's like the most wonderful of fairy tales that has come true in real life. You see, the best thing about this story is it's true. There are lots of stories in the Bible, but all the stories are telling one big story, the story of how God loves his children and comes to rescue them. It takes the whole Bible to tell this story. And at the center of the story, there is a baby. Every story in the Bible whispers his name. He's like the missing piece in a puzzle, the piece that makes all the other pieces fit together. And then suddenly, you can see a beautiful picture. Stories are powerful. And the text that I was asked to focus on today comes from 1 Peter chapter 3, 15, where it says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. In one of the books I have on a shelf in my study uh, at home uh, about preaching, one of the writers writes about narrative preaching, and he talks about the power of stories. And he says that every time you hear someone say, literally or figuratively, once upon a time, you can almost see everyone lean forward to listen. Such is the power of stories. An accompanying passage to 1 Peter 3.15 is this passage from John chapter 9. It's a long chapter, like 43 verses. Um, And I'm just going to kind of summarize that story because it's a powerful story. Once upon a time, there was a man who was born blind. And he grew into adulthood, and the only way that he could earn a living was to sit on a street corner in Jerusalem and beg money from everybody who passed by. And so not unlike the people that we see on street corners here in the suburbs or downtown in the city, he claimed his street corner. That was his spot. He went to the same spot every day, and he begged for money. One day, as he was doing what he did every day, a rabbi came by with some disciples. And he heard a conversation that went on between the disciples and that rabbi. The disciples asked the rabbi, Why is he blind? Is it because he sinned or is it because his parents have sinned? In their mind, it was always cause and effect. Somebody had done something bad and that was the effect. He suffered because either he did something bad or his parents did something bad. That's how you explained away suffering in the first century. And Jesus said, neither of those things is true. He is blind And he's been blind since birth. But God is going to use him to glorify God himself and to help him understand who the Messiah is and how he's going to impact the world. 
And having said that, Jesus knelt down on the ground and spit into the dirt, creating mud. He picked up the mud that he had created and rubbed it on each of the eyes of the man who was born blind. And said to the man, now that he had this mud caked on his eyes, go to the pool of Siloam and wash the mud off your eyes. And so the man had friends, family, whoever lead him to the pool of Siloam. When he got there, he did exactly as he was told. He he washed the mud off his eyes and he opened his eyes and for the first time ever in his life, he could see. Have you seen these videos of kids who are born deaf, who never can hear anything, who through the miracle of cochlear implants have it happen in a doctor's office and for the first time they can hear and understand their parents or grandparents or sisters or brothers' voices? Those things make me cry every time. It's miraculous. For the first time in this man's life, he could see And he came walking back down the street and his friends and his neighbors noticed that looks a lot like the guy who was born blind, but it can't be the guy because now this guy can see. And he said, no, I'm him. It's me. Well, tell me the story. So right away, this man had a story to tell. A story to tell about What had happened to him that planted hope within his heart? A story about a rabbi who came by and miraculously healed him from being blind to giving him sight. And this man had a story, and he told it to his friends. Word passed around through town that the blind man could now see. And the religious leaders, they called the man into their quarters, not because they were curious so much about the healing that took place, but they were upset that it happened on the Sabbath. You might be able to perform a miracle, but don't perform miracles on the Sabbath. Wait till another day. Who did this for you, they asked. And he told them about the story of this rabbi named Jesus. They had a discussion amongst themselves. They called him back in. This time Jesus was there when the man told his story. And a powerful story it was. And in the end... Jesus used that man's story of blindness and sight as a spiritual lesson for the know-it-all religious leaders of the day who thought they saw everything. And Jesus said, no, you're blind. (laughs) You don't really get it. But if you knew me as the Son of God, you would be able to see. You could go from blindness to sight yourself. It's a powerful story. Now, we all have a story. Everybody in this room has a story. Did you listen to Karen tell Michael's story? Not a lot of theological terms, not a lot of doctrine. I didn't hear her mention one statement from the catechism. She told a story about how someone who suffered had an idea about a help to help other people who are suffering. And could it be more simple than reclaiming our garbage to give to somebody to have a new life? 
I mean, I'm amazed by these kind of stories because it's hard for me to imagine that people don't have wheelchairs in other countries or crutches or walkers. But it's true. And how he's transformed lives with this very simple idea. What a story, right? I mean, I know some of your stories. There are people in this room who have stories about having never grown up knowing Jesus ever in their life and then meeting him and how he transformed them from blindness to sight in a whole nother way. There are people in this room who were addicted to something and through a ministry that focused on Christ, their life was healed and it was changed from blindness to sight. There are people in this room who have suffered from debilitating grief that hung on them in complete darkness, and they never thought they'd ever get out of it. But through God's grace and love and a community of people, the darkness has disappeared for the most part. And there are people in this room who have been so burdened by guilt and shame that they never could tell anybody their story but we're set free through the forgiveness and the love and grace of Jesus Christ. Everybody has a story. Might not be as dramatic as being blind and now being able to see. Some of us think our stories are kind of boring, you know. We were baptized. uh, We were raised in a Christian home. We went to church twice on Sundays. We went to a Christian school. I went to a Christian college. I started a Christian company. I don't have any dramatic parts of my story. But that isn't what 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says. It doesn't say always be prepared to tell a dramatic story. It just always be prepared to tell some story about the difference that God makes you know. Maybe you just have to ask yourself some questions. What is the reason for the hope that I have within me? Wrestle with that for a while in your life. Why do I believe in Jesus? Not just because it says so in the Bible or somebody told me to. Why do I believe in Jesus? Why do I believe what we confessed earlier? That Jesus is the only and one way. Why do I believe that? What difference does it make in my everyday life that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ? Everybody has a story. And we should be prepared to tell our story. We should think about it. We should, what is our story? Why do we believe in these things? And I would encourage you to write out your story. You know, I write a manuscript for my sermons. Now, a lot of people don't think that happens. I think I just make it up as I go along. I write out a manuscript. I just don't follow it, okay? But it's helpful to write out your story. And you might think, well, it's my story. Why do I need to write it out? Because it needs to be concise. It needs to make sense. It needs to take off. It needs to land somewhere. Because the idea of being prepared to always tell your story is somebody's going to ask you about it someday. And they don't want to listen to you go on and on and on and this. So I officiate at a lot of weddings and I go to a lot of wedding receptions because who would turn down a free meal? Not me. And I like to dance. There's videos. Um... So I go to a lot of wedding receptions, and the worst phrase I ever hear anybody say at a wedding reception is when the best man or the man of honor get up to give their speech, and the first words out of their mouth is, I didn't prepare anything. This is going to make for a long night. They either ramble, say something inappropriate, 
There's no takeoff. There's no landing. It goes on and on and on and on and on, more so than even a preacher. It's horrible. The nine arts of spiritual conversation says you should be able to tell your story in three to four minutes. It shouldn't take that long. Doesn't have to include a lot of theology, a lot of doctrine. In fact, it's better if it doesn't. What's your story? Can you tell your story? Can you tell your story when it's raining so loud that the roof is like echoing? So prepare your story. And I'll say a little bit more about that later. So, and all of our stories should be messages of hope, right? I mean, we just got done celebrating not that long ago the greatest story of hope that's ever been told in, in, in human history. You know, this rabbi that met the blind man on the corner that day is taken by those religious leaders and that conflict escalates higher and higher and higher until he's eventually crucified on a cross, buried in a tomb, and everything goes dark. In the Bible, it's always about darkness and light, blindness and sight. Everything goes dark. Until three days later. And then the most magnificent thing that's ever happened is Jesus' resurrection. And because of that, we all have hope. No matter how bad things look, we all have hope. We all have a story. And the power of your story may surprise you. A guy named Donald Davis is known as a storyteller. And he goes around the country telling stories. Now, I never thought of this gig before. I thought, this could be good. I could be good at this. But he goes around and tells stories, and he teaches people how to tell your story. And this is what he says about storytelling. He says, when something happens to you, it sits on top of you like a rock. And if you never tell your story, it sits on you forever. As you tell your story, you begin to come out from underneath it, and you sit on top of the rock. It might have an impact on others. Your story might have an impact on others. But it also changes you. Telling your story changes you. So I think most of you know that... that I coach basketball, girls basketball now at, at Timothy Christian, and um, I've really enjoyed being able to do that. Um, started doing it last year. In January, I was asked to lead chapel at the elementary school uh, at Timothy, and I went, oh, no, I, not elementary school kids, seriously. I mean, it's really not my best audience, okay? I like to talk a lot, but with elementary school kids, you got to stand on your head or do a magic trick or have some kind of object. I mean, they don't, you got to keep their attention, and they just don't listen And then I landed on a great idea. You know, elementary school kids really admire high school kids. What if I took some of our basketball players and had them tell their story? And I get out of it. So I did. And they were great. And they had powerful stories to tell. And I was preparing this message, and I was thinking, you know, I could maybe just say, here's one of the stories that one of our girls told. And then God said, hey, stupid, why don't you have one of the girls tell them, come and tell their story? So I did. So I would like to introduce to you one of our players, Sarah Karstensen, who's a sophomore at Timothy. In addition to basketball, she plays tennis and soccer. She's an honor student. She plays in the band. You know, she's one of those kids. She does everything well. Um, but Sarah, 
wants to come and tell her story. So welcome her, will you please? Good morning. I'm Sarah Carstensen, and like Rev said, I'm a sophomore at Timothy. So when Rev first asked me to share my story the first time at elementary school chapel, I honestly had no idea what I was going to say. Like most of you, I'd grown up around God, I went to church, I prayed with my mom, and I knew the love of Christ, and I knew that God existed, but I never really had a huge miracle happen in my life where I could say, oh, this is why I know God exists, because he's the only reason why this could have happened. But then I realized, while God has performed an infinite amount of miracles, a lot of people, like me, haven't experienced one. I realized that this is the reason why I should share my story. I needed to show others how just because a miracle hasn't happened to you either doesn't mean that God isn't working in your life. My story is about when I moved to the Elmhurst area from Connecticut in fourth grade. Back in Connecticut, I was having the best year ever. I had all my best friends in my class, and I had the best teacher. Um, when I heard the news that I was moving, I reacted the way any scared fourth grader would react. I went in my room, and I cried for an hour. I couldn't see why this is happening, and I couldn't believe it was happening to me right when I was having an amazing time in Connecticut. It was hard to accept, but what really made me feel better was when I realized that I needed to trust God. I had to remember that God has a plan for my life that I have no way of knowing about, and that I just had to trust that he knows what's best for me. Moving here was such an amazing blessing for many, in many ways in my life, and I'm so grateful that I did. God has a plan for my life as well as everyone else's, and even in a small thing like moving, this is so apparent. God has changed my life in so many ways, and by looking for him in the little things, not just huge miracles, you can see how he truly is walking alongside you the whole way. So sometimes people will say, uh, so Rev, do you like coaching girls basketball? And my answer is no, I don't like coaching girls basketball. I love coaching girls basketball. I mean, I love the whole basketball thing. I love to go to practice every day. I love to drop strategy. I love to watch the girls start here and get better and go to here. I love games. I like to win games. I'm slightly competitive. It's good. Um, but the reason I love coaching basketball is to have kids like Sarah on our team. Sarah represents her teammates, a whole bunch of kids who like to play sports, but the major thing in their life is that they love Jesus and they love the Lord. And to have somebody who knows that about themselves, but feels like they want to share that with other men and women, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't get any better than that. Everybody has a story. Everybody has a story. And if you prepare it and articulate it, you can tell your story. Let me give you an assignment before we leave today. Let me encourage you to think about what your story might be. And then I want to encourage you to prepare your story. Write it out. Put it on a piece of paper. Make it two or three or four minutes, whatever the case might be. And share your story with someone else. You know, it's safest to share your story with people that you know. So maybe around the dinner table, as a family, with your spouse, if you have one, with a friend, maybe in your small group, write your stories and share your stories. What's your story? Make it concise. Make it important. Have a takeoff and a landing and share your story in a safe place. 
Because I can guarantee you this. Once you have a story and you know your story, somebody's going to ask you about your story. So the second part of the assignment is pray for someone with whom to share your story. 75% of the people who come to faith in Jesus Christ these days come through a personal relationship with somebody. Meaning that somebody wants to hear your story. The story of the hope that God has planted within you. People like to hear about your struggles. People like to hear how you get through every single day. People like to hear about how God has worked in your life. People like to hear how your life is devastated when you're in fourth grade, but in 10th grade, apparently everything is great <laughs> because you learn to trust the Lord. Everybody has a story, and stories are powerful, especially when they're anointed with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your story, the story that we learn from your word in the Bible. We also want to thank you for the fact that we are a part of your story, that your story is not done, that you're still writing your story, and that you still want to do things with your people to change and influence others. And so remind us of our story. Bring us people to share our story with every day and help us to trust you in everything that we do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.